and welcome back to the Angel Investors Access Show. On this series, we talk to startups, angel investors, VC firms, mentors, coaches, and stakeholders that play a part in the Australian entrepreneurial ecosystem. Proudly brought to you by C2 Angels, helping build a community of like-minded, aspiring angel investors right across Australia and beyond. Have you booked your angel opportunity investment discovery session yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Become an angel investor today and visit c2angels.com. And now let's head to the next episode and join me with our special guest. Well, welcome back everyone to another episode of Angel Investors Access with your host, Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. Now I'm excited for today's guest because he is the Senior Commercial Excellence Manager for Australia and New Zealand at Leo Pharma. He's a Viva certified white belt. He's a current EMBA student and he's an early stage angel investor. It's Callum Stacey. How are you? Hi, Renan. Thank you for the introduction. I'm great today. <laughs> My pleasure. And it's great to have you on our show. And thank you for being so generous with your time because today we are going to unpack your journey and your, your sort of uh, road to being an angel investor and being involved in this ecosystem. And we're really hoping our audience of aspiring angel investors can take away two or three gold nuggets that'll help them on their journey. So yeah, happy to help. Beauty, mate. Well, one thing we like to do at the top of the show is to ask our amazing guest to give us a deeper dive and an insight into what a typical day in the life of Callum Stacey looks like. Oh, goodness. At the moment, moment, um, and I won't talk about farm industry to take over this particular conversation, but the pharmaceutical industry is one that um, probably hasn't been impacted uh, as we as much as we thought uh, with the COVID situation, um, and that's mainly because people need treatment. People stop don't stop getting sick, so you know that's um, continued. Um, that's thrown a few challenges to our business in how we navigate through that. How do we communicate yep. with our with our customers? And our customers are, are derma- doctors, um, specialists, and GPs. Yes, um, and also how do patients? How can we help support patients navigate that? communication between their healthcare professional and themselves in a, in a time of uncertainty. So that that's a whole new segue into another conversation around telehealth. That's probably another yeah. um, interesting topic there at the moment. Um, so my day to day is basically supporting our general manager uh, in all commercial operations um, around our sales team, perhaps a little bit of marketing, some BIBA uh, analysis, um, well, look after the CRM system. That's where the white belt certification comes from. Um, <laughs> Very cool. And so I balance that with also keeping on top of my sort of informal, I guess, advisory role with a, an, a startup um, that's doing quite well at the moment. Um, and that's called Good Thanks. Uh, and we will probably delve into that a little bit more. But, you know, that's a bit sporadic, I suppose. I don't have a formal delivery on that. Um, maybe it's just a, a phone call catch up with one of the founders on a regular basis. Um, and then, you know, it's just keeping my ear to the ground by things like angel list or, um, anything, any of those sort of platforms to see what's happening out there in the tech world. Cause I'm, I guess, curious yep. about technology, um, curious about the startup world. Uh, and then there's the, my study on the side, which I'll try and plug into that after hours on the weekends. I love it, mate. That's a jam packed day and week. I must admit, I'm curious, how have you gotten better? at summarising and, and analysing opportunity, whether it be a pitch deck, a founder reaching out or an opportunity, how have you gotten better at getting to a yes or no decision quicker so as to not you know, consume all of your available time? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Brennan. 
Um, whether or not I've realised it or not that I am better at it, I'd like to think I am. Um, but I think I've taken one of my energies, which is a bit more detail orientated, and switch over to the just tell me what I need to know. So yes. being a little bit more ruthless in cutting through to the core of what the messaging is meant to be. So you will see some pitches or some pitch uh, decks that might be a bit fluffy. I definitely saw a lot of those when I was researching how to build something that we should build. So yes. 10 years ago, it was very fluffy because we didn't really have that much guidance. I mean, you can pick up on the net today uh, copies of the original Uber pitch deck, um, copies of the, the first Airbnb pitch deck. And to, the way that's evolved to today, where we know that investors just want to cut to the chase, they want to know what the trajectory is like. They want to know what the size of the pie is like. Um, and so it's really just touching on some, some clear points. But those points still, there's still a core level of points in there that remain the same. Obviously, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. Who's the people leading the solution to the problem? And, and what's their background and context? Um, and then the ability of the program and what's the ability for the product to scale? Uh, and mm -hmm. then what's the size of the opportunity? So is it niched? Has it got a bigger uh, opportunity in terms of um, broadening outside of country boundaries? Um, that's probably the, the biggest thing I'm, I'm looking at the moment in my current research is how do you jump into the US? Because this, you know, a small piece of the pie in the US is a big piece of revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great point you raised, mate. I'd love to know what is that current venture that you're currently focusing on so people could start to Google you and it while we chat. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll, just, I'll give you a little bit of a background on that. So uh, I studied multimedia at university and one of my good friends at university, her husband and I became really, really good friends. This is back in Adelaide uh, some time ago. I won't tell everybody how long ago that was. <laughs> um, uh, he has a background in architecture and graphic design. And um, over time, he was constantly... There's a little bit of a segue here, but it'll get to the, to the <laughs> current product. Um, there was a bit of a pestering there for, for me to join his social circles fantasy sports group. Yeah. I just, I just couldn't get into it. And I remember saying to him one day, look, if you could make it easy, mobile and fun, maybe, maybe I'll have a look at it. And yes. that was the beginning. So he said, you're absolutely right. S sending Excel spreadsheets back and forth is just, it's not much fun. Um, so we put together a team to build a fantasy sports app. Um, we didn't really know what we we're doing. This is pre 2010. Um, so, you know, we, we built our own app for, from concept wireframe to a working app. We didn't release it. Um, yes. Mainly because we pretty much run out of our own funds. We were a little bit young back then and yep. uh, we ran out of funds, but um, then I moved to Melbourne and um, immersed myself in the startup culture and ecosystem in Victoria because I didn't really know many people here. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really insightful because it exposed me to um, groups or communities such as Startup Victoria, uh, Silicon Beach pitch competitions, um, Startup Grind with Chris Jano, who's doing great things in Victoria still. And um, it wasn't just for the beer and pizza at Inspire 9. It was really <laughs> to listen to a lot, of, a lot of good people doing some good things back then. We had uh, Luke Smorgan, I think, with Transpire back then, and he was exploring Google Glass. You know, there was some really cool stuff happening. Um, and so I guess my remit at the time was to try and search for some people, personal or business to have a look at what we were building. Um, there wasn't much interest. It might've been a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah, really? Um, but there were some people who were interested in, a, 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 perhaps probably not so much in the fantasy sports app that we were building, 
But what came out of this fantasy sports app was uh, two of the founders of that group um, sort of had a little bit of a side project, which was the Good Thanks platform. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to join at the time. I'd exhausted my funds. Um, so I let those guys go and, and they always kept the door open for me to have an opportunity to be involved in the future. So when Good Thanks got to a point where they had run, they bootstrapped their business for quite some time, um, they were looking for investment. So I thought, all right, let's have a look at what's available in Victoria. It's a bigger ecosystem here. So yeah, uh, many, many emails, uh, many, many phone calls and a few face-to-face -face meetings later, um, the story was still the same. There was legs in the Good Thanks platform. The fantasy sports were still perhaps a little bit ahead of the time. But one of the key people that I remember uh, liaising with um, was Blackbird VC, who weren't interested at the time, but um, they asked me to keep in touch. And so that, that's, that's a good little bit of information to remember for later on in the story. Yeah. But um, so that particular product is around um, somebody some, does something good, you say thank you, and funds go to the charity of their choice. So it's a little bit of microfunding based on a mobile platform to identify gratitude in the world. And let's face it, it the world in the last couple of years has needed a little bit of gratitude, right? Like let's identify when people are doing something good. Um, it's a gift giving platform at the end of the day, but that was just the proof of concept. So the proof of concept was the mobile app, uh, the Good Thanks mobile app to see whether there was any appetite there. Um, you're either someone who believes in giving or you're not. So it's a bit black and yeah. white there, but it did prove it's proof of concept to the point where that product now has investment. Last invest investment was at Tavala 10 mil. Um, and their next step is to jump into the US. So I've just seen their latest financial update um, and they're putting funds aside to, to investigate that US opportunity. Brilliant. Um, and, you know, this is a good journey to be on. Um, mm. it, it's been a little bit, I suppose, up and down because when I go back to that, you either believe in giving or you don't. Mm -hmm that is a small piece of the pie in Australia. And, and the reason why is there's a little bit of uh, murkiness, I suppose, around where those funds go when you give a donation. Um, yeah. We know that somewhere like maybe only 60 to 80% of the full uh, donation ends up at the right uh, charity at the end. Yeah, totally. Um, but the, the guys are good thanks. We're able to build a back end with negotiation with their pay um, partner to uh, ensure that every single cent gets to the charity and that's really really important when you talk about micro donations yeah so, oh uh, man this is this is exciting so what you're touching on there and describing is really key for first time aspiring angels listening so this is an insight into the journey the excitement and the roller coaster you can go on and yes there are ups and downs but look at how you've always been able to live through uh, the founders vicariously by being absolutely. the angel. <laughs> absolutely. That, yeah. That's, that's the key, the key point there, Brandon is living vicariously through because <laughs> unless you are one of the founders, you really probably don't experience that long hours, the, the, the iterations, the, you know, the disappointments, etc. But because you've invested money um, and I'll get to the opportunity in the investment in a minute, but because you've invested money in that fund, you, you need to be curious. You need to be involved in it because essentially you are one of the key shareholders in that business. If you are really truly credibly interested in the product or interested in the direction of the, of the, the um, founders or the product or the, or the company, you really need to be involved in it. And that can be as simple as just 
signing a piece of paper when the, the financials come around every year or um, being actively involved in, in giving direction and ratifying strategy or providing advice on where you think they should be going. Um, that will be part of your relationship with the founder. Um, if it's really uh, informal because you're quite close mates, that could be quite loose and it just evolves over time. Or if you're an external, say, you know, a C investor or something like that, it might be a bit more formal. Um, yeah. But um, I, I've enjoyed that journey because, you know, I guess at the, I would have liked to have been one of the founders, um, but this is my closest way to be involved in it. Yeah, I love it, mate. So with that in mind, can you talk to me about what type of angel investor you like to be personally? Do you like to be the active hands-on mentor, advisor, really roll your sleeves up? Or do you prefer to trust the founder and stay you know, at arm's length and let them do their thing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good question as well. Um, I've probably got a mix of both of the two and it's probably just because of my unique scenario with my relationship with the founders. Um, I think I would prefer to probably be uh, involved a little bit more. Um, I did flirt with the idea of becoming so maybe a head of sales for the business and, and seeing what that was like. Um, yeah. Some other possibilities uh, in my other work life um, took, up, took up that opportunity. But um, I think it depends on, <laughs> it depends on how much money you've got in there, but it also depends <laughs> on how much time you've got and it's your overall investment strategy. So, what I prefer is, um, sorry, we've just got people coming into the room. Um, so what I prefer is um, uh, if, you're, if you're really in it for the right reasons and you don't see it as just a cash opportunity, right? So this is the credibility of a lot of people are looking for that next tech unicorn. Gotcha. You know, we, we don't, we don't and, and that's great if you want to use a sort of a shotgun approach, but I don't think, Many of us are the Mark Cubans in this world with such a large access to funds that we can take that, that chance, right? Yep. So my suggestion would be, and this is what I've adopted, is I prefer to, because I believe in what I've invested in, I want to have a connection with it and I want to see what's happening and I want to know where the next spend is going to be. I want to know what their next milestone is. You know? And if I don't believe in the milestone, I might ask them for more information. Um, but I have such inherent trust in the founders of Good Thanks that I don't need to, to keep pestering them about where they're going because every single touch point I've had since the beginning of this journey has landed with the kind of response or kind of communication that I've expected. So it's, we've both been on the same page. There's been no surprises. If anything, the surprises have been uh, an increased opportunity or, or some sort of, uh, you know, announcement that I wasn't aware of, like, um, you know, an external investor has just given us $500,000 worth of uh, outdoor advertising for free. Uh, that was a big surprise to see my face on billboards around um, Adelaide airports. Um, so <laughs> the, um, it's a, a bit to answer your question. The short answer is a bit of both. Um, and I yeah. think it's up to the investor to make that decision on uh, where they want to be in it. But that needs to be understood right from the beginning, because if, the founders think that you're just going to invest money and you're not going to be involved that much. And then you are, there may be a bit of friction there. Um, yeah, and totally. the other way, the other way is if they're relying on you for advice and direction and you are just distant and not in, interested, well then they feel as if they've lost an opportunity as well. Yeah. Great point. Can you be brave enough with us to share a key mistake or challenge 
that's actually become a really good blessing and learning lesson. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose it's all about opportunity cost, right? So the investment in good thanks at the time for me was I'd sold a business in Adelaide. I'd renovated a property. So I guess I freed up some capital there, but I had other opportunities um, to put that money elsewhere and that was property. And so if you looked at, I suppose, at an opportunity cost, had I put those funds elsewhere, I probably would have, I would have ended up with more money, but it definitely wouldn't have been as exciting as the journey as I am now. So um, it's probably not, it wasn't really a learn because I don't regret it. Um, The only, the only other regret I might've had is probably not trusting my gut with the original fantasy sports app. Mm-hmm. I still think that has legs. And, and the justification for that is that if you look at something like FanDuel in the U S it is billions of dollars worth. And, you know, they're partnering with all sorts of different uh, businesses over there from casinos to soft drink brands. You know, it's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. So any other investors out there, have a look at fantasy sports. There's an opportunity. Cross <laughs> over into esports, even bigger. Yeah, um, mate. I'd love, I'd love to understand from you this next question. Our viewers and our listeners love the second part of this question. It's a two part. What's been the best piece of advice and from who? And what's been the worst, most horrible piece of advice? <laughs> the worst, <laughs> the best piece of advice. And make it juicy, mate. Make it juicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst piece of advice. I'll start with the. Let me start with the worst piece of advice. Um, the worst piece of advice, I suppose, is, wow, that's, why did you do that? Like, you're crazy. <laughs> that's, that's, you must have a lot of faith in, in this. Or, because I've got to admit, the amount of money I put in was probably beyond my financial situation at the time. So yeah. whether it was my dad or my partner at the time wondering, what are you doing? Should be spending that money on me. Um, <laughs> I'd consider that probably a bad bit of advice, but it's, it's not really that juicy. Um, a good bit of advice would be trust your gut, you know, take risk, yeah. take a risk, but take a calculated risk. Um, put yourself out there. It's going to be scary. At, definitely scary at times. I mean, I sometimes think, wow, oh, what, what did I do that for? That, that would have been the down payment on a house. So yeah, but you, you just have to trust the journey, I suppose. Um, advice specifically in the startup area. Ah, oh, Okay. Here's one that stood out. I remember yeah. I was at a, I was at a, something to do with Startup Victoria or Startup Grind and I turned up by myself right, because I didn't know anybody. And there was somebody else there who was um, also by themselves. And he had a next best red hot um, opportunity. And yeah. he said, I'm going to give you something for free. He said, I've, I don't, I'm not going to pursue it because, um, you know, I've got something else I'm, I'm looking at at the moment but have a look at an app to collate the trade industry. Mm-hmm. And I was like at the time, yeah, nah, nah, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to pursue that. That now this day is high pages. Wow. And high pages are doing very, very well. So yeah. whether that, it was good advice to start off with, bad advice, not taking it myself, internal bad advice. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's just the, the lesson out of this is keep an open mind. And, and do your due diligence and explore where there are possibilities and, and trust your gut. And, and you know, oh, that was one of the situation where I didn't trust my gut because someone was telling me I didn't have any context, I didn't have any relationship and I didn't 
know what their agenda was, to be honest. Yeah, that's, um, I guess that also speaks to ideas are a dime a dozen, but someone being able to execute. And, Absolutely. And then, yeah, and yeah. it's like, um, you know, we all take an idea or a concept as far as we do, and then whenever we choose to stop, someone else, you know, progresses it more. Mm. Um, that's a real commonality amongst entrepreneurs. It's great to hear that from you. Yeah, um, Let's do a crystal ball. Well, hang on. Have you given me the absolute worst, most juicy, horrible advice? Do you think you've been juicy enough with that? Um, <laughs> you could have even been advice you've witnessed. But the reason we ask yeah. is because we know that founders listening are mastering mm. the art of filtration when it comes to advice. Yeah. But equally, a first-time angel investor really is now trying to get to a point of confidence and be able to exercise a bit of you know, assertion over knowing how to lead the conversation and ask the right questions. Yeah. And obviously they'd be looking for a lot of advice and there'd be some that wouldn't be as helpful as some may think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't, I, I, it's probably not, probably not. It, I've got another story about some bad advice and it was from somebody who I was pitching. I was using a pretty solid pitch deck for the, for the good thanks. Yeah. Product as well, and I remember the question came back. So, person was really, really interested in it because it was all about the ego of the scenario. It was the person was chuffed that I was uh, approaching them um, because they wanted to know why. Um, the response was, "Oh, you know, I was giving your name. Apparently, you know, you, you, you're a bit of a mover and shaker and a bit of an entrepreneur, and you're interested in some new cool stuff happening." And the advice to me was from this person who at the time didn't know whether I had invested or not was to tell me not to invest in it because um, those, I want to know where those funds are going. Those funds are probably just going to go pay for their salary. And I thought that was a bit odd because you have to, you have to expect that any investment in any business goes to salary eventually somehow, right? Because um, that's like you buy shares in Westpac. Yep. Goes to someone's salary. In a startup situation, there's, there's got to be some of that funding to, to uh, go to keep the business running, right? If the founders aren't putting food on the table, they're not running the business. So um, that was some bad advice not to invest because where they thought the money was going to go. I don't know. I haven't heard that one before, that yet again either. But um, yeah, it's maturity investor. Yeah, especially for an early stage investor, we find that you know being able to analyse and ask the right questions of the founder is particularly key because... Um, they really are the, the, the game changer in the scenario and, and the thing that's going to make or break this, you know, mm. other than obviously having done the DD around being a big enough market and a validated product and, and the like. Um, it really does come down to that individual. And one thing I'd love to ask you is, as an angel investor, as an example, do you find that you gravitate to particular personalities or to particular verticals or are you relatively agnostic in what you'll consider and look to pursue no i i do gravitate to certain areas and one of them like to be honest the fantasy apps app was probably outside of the scope of what i'd normally look at um yes. that was mainly because at the time uh you know the concept came out of that opportunity is saying you know make it fun and mobile and easy yes um but the link of that to what people could say is gambling right like the we were building a non-monetary app because that's what fantasy sports originally sort of was. It was betting amongst your mates, right? Yes. Um, 
but that had a link to gambling. So I do draw the line at certain industries. I know there's a lot of money to be made in there, but I gravitate more to what I find a bit more of an altruistic, holistic view on this world. And that's bringing communities together, um, building uh, gratitude in our community, helping uh, perhaps some disadvantage. So I probably leaned a bit more to a charity angle there. Yeah. Um, now that, probably isn't where the tech unicorns are going to be building from now on, but um, that's just what I feel more comfortable with. It makes me feel a bit better about what I'm doing. Um, and that may not be for everybody, right? Um, maybe people don't have the longevity to expect a return over 10 years. People want return in three years or two years yep. or whatever. Um, so if I was in a different scenario though, and I had access to more funds. I was the, you know, Mark Cuban. I'd sold some software company somewhere yes. for millions of dollars. <laughs> then I probably would, right? Because I probably would have the opportunity to consider a wider range. But to be honest, if I had 10 in front of me, I'd probably go for the ones where I believed in the direction of the founders. I believed in their diligence and their, their um, direction, I suppose, and the ability to, the ability to deliver. Um, and I probably would reject ones that look like they're a bit of a cash grab. Yep. So, and that's just my personal opinion. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely have a type. Yeah, I love that, mate. It's awesome. It's great to get an insight because our first-time angel investors are really looking to create their own rule, their own mm. guide, their own playbook around what they'll entertain and yep. a process for them to trust so that they can get to a yes or no quicker. And one thing we really appreciate hearing from people like you on the show is how you're actually much more open to giving a quick no than a maybe and stringing people along. Absolutely, yeah. And that's so key for a founder and an angel because it improves the communication process all around. Mm. Um, mate, one thing I'd love to know from you is we do have some huge success stories here in Australia. Everyone's familiar with Canva yeah. and Afterpay and Atlassian. And people are even familiar with the founders, Nick Molnar, Melanie Perkins, you know, Scott yep. and Mike from Atlassian. Yeah. But who they're not familiar with are the unsung heroes, the angel investors who would have got in early and supported them and believed in them to be able to go on to become who they are now. I agree. Yeah. And without, without sort of being able to name, you know, angel investors who've been pivotal, I mm. thought maybe you could tell us one example of an Australian startup unicorn mm. or, or you know business that's done great things mm. that you think would no likely no, no would have most likely sorry have had an angel play a pivotal role in their journey absolutely the one that comes to mind and they're probably a bit they're probably a bit too big now but i remember when culture amp uh sort of came onto my radar and what they were doing and this speaks to my um comment just before about gravitating towards this sort of gratitude and this cultural sort of improvement of the world. I really got drawn towards what they were doing. And, um, you know, we're talking about the Elzingers of this world in culture amp now, and they do have a connection to Atlassian. So, you know, they're probably learning about that, but I think I, I truly believe what you just said. I think the people that have helped some of these businesses really leapfrog into the next stratosphere um, should be applauded and we all have an opportunity to be there i'm not saying you know your listeners are going to be the next investor initial investor and in, say the uber or um 
the Atlassians or the Airbnbs of this world, but we definitely can be uh, a pivotal part of the success of the, of the like Canva or something like that. Yeah. Um, how that is recognised, I'm not sure. I mean, podcasts like this are a perfect opportunity. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I would support a little bit more visibility around that. Because what we currently hear is we normally hear post-success about these angel investors or these early investors because you'll see people who call themselves ex-Twitter, ex-Uber, ex-early you know, ex investor at Twitter or ex-early investor at Facebook because yeah. there's some sort of prestige and that's like to say, all right, I, was, I recognise this as being something good back then. But yeah. they didn't get the recognition back then. They're getting it now. So Yeah, totally. Pull it forward hey, tell me, mate, I'm very interested to know, is there one particular thing in your network right now that we as a community and an audience can shine a light on and collaborate and really help uh, expedite? Hmm. I think one part that and I've got no connection to this. I, I really like Crunchbase. I like AngelList. Um, I think they need to get a little bit of airtime. Um, obviously, the app Good Thanks that I'm working with is going to leapfrog into the US soon. Um, if the community uh, is interested in having a look at that, that's, it's just helping the community all together, I think. Um, more so around your local communities as well. And this being a broad-reaching podcast, Brandon, I'm sure every state has its own little ecosystem in the startup yes. ecosystem. So seek out that ecosystem, support it, show your face there, listen, talk. Um, be involved and uh, the more information you can get about everything that's in your ecosystem around um, investing will help you make a, a more um, educated decision on where you should be investing yeah i love it mate well you've been a pleasure callum stacy we're gonna have to hold you to a part two check <laughs> yeah, that in with you to see how this venture of yours is tracking because it sounds exciting but also it's just great to be able to track a live example of someone and you've been so candid with us and given us some real insights into the mind of an angel investor. And we, we do appreciate that. Thanks, Brandon. Anytime. And that's all we have time for today on the Angel Investors Access Show, your series with Brandon Burns from C2 Angels. If you're thinking about becoming an angel investor and you don't know where to start, then you know exactly where to head, c2angels.com, and book your angel investment opportunity discovery session now. Until next time, I'm Brandon Burns, and I'll catch you later.